Hello. Yeah, I was actually at New Day two years ago when the Bake Off news was announced, so it was all a bit weird. I had to go run over the road, run all over, over all the roundabouts. If you've ever been to that same, it's a bit of a death trap, but you had to go all, over all the roads. And I went to get the newspapers for the very first time and just found my face <laughs> on the front, and it was the weirdest experience of my life. I think people sometimes ask me, they're like, when was the moment that you felt like people knew who you were or it's a bit weird or when you felt, felt like you'd made it? And I always kind of, I'm like, it's the kind of the time where you see yourself on a newspaper with a headline that doesn't quite fit. So I've got these two images of newspapers, and hopefully they're going to come up on the screen. Just a little funny little uh, starter. Yes, no, yes, no. No. So maybe, we'll, maybe we will see them later. Anyway, there were some amusing uh, headlines that didn't quite fit with a picture of me that weren't, they weren't linked, don't worry. Anyway, it's not really funny if you can't see them, so we'll move on. <laughs> um, this is my eighth new day. So I came to my very first new day when I was 12. So I've been through the whole 12 to 14s thing. I knew that kind of Stephen and Martin. I knew everyone from this side of the, of the fence. And now I'm up here and it's all a bit weird. Um, but um, I came to a seminar very similar to one like this. I came to the True Stories stream when I was 12. And I listened to Cassie Schifano speak about how when she was kind of young, speak about her story. And something inside me when I was sat over there looking at Cassie kind of thought... Wouldn't it be amazing if one day I had a story to share up, up here? And now I kind of see myself up here and I'm like, oh my word, I didn't really expect it to be this soon. But it's so exciting to see what God has done in, those very short, in that very short space of time between me being 12 and me being 19 now. Um, and I didn't also expect him to use kind of something as obscure as baking for his glory. And it just kind of showed me that God can use anything about you for his glory. Um, I went to a festival called West Point. Has anyone been to West Point before? Woo! Lots of West Pointers in the room. So I go to West Point. It's with my sphere um, commission, part of New Frontiers. Um, And I went there in 2013, just after I finished my GCSEs. And I was in a meeting, and Guy Miller, who is the head of our sphere, was speaking to us all. And he was like, so... If you've done well in your GCSEs, don't be embarrassed. Just, I want you to stand up. And we'd got our results that day, so it was very fresh. It was like, I want you to stand up and just so we can pray about people who've done well and them using their brains for God. And I thought, this is a bit awkward, but I'll do it because other people are doing it. So there was a couple of us that stood up and he prayed out over us. And then Guy Miller is one of those um, prophetic preachers, which are kind of fun and scary in equal measure because when you stand up, you know that you're kind of putting yourself out there and that they might point at you and say something in front of everyone, which is a bit scary and you kind of wanted to happen, but you also don't really want it to happen. It's a weird one. So I stood up with all these other people and then he didn't say sit down. He was like, you. And he pointed at me and he was like, the girl in the shorts. And everyone in the room looks at you, all the girl in the shorts. And I was like, oh, this is scary. And he said to me, he was like, I've had this word from God, um, from you about you, and God is going to use your brains for something that is different. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, And I was quite a planned person up to that point. I'd kind of envisaged my life before as being, study my GCSEs, do the right A-levels, go to university, become a food scientist, get a job in food science, have a family, and that was going to be my life. But that was kind of me imagining my life without putting God's plan into it. So when Guy Miller spoke these words over me, I was a bit like, this is a new experience for me. And something that's quite daunting. So he said, you are going to go to places other people won't go to. Um, Be full of faith for your life and don't follow the crowd. Um, Go on a path that God has marked out for you. And where you walk, puddles of love and joy will appear in evangelism and the Holy Spirit. It might be lonely, but I will be with you. And as a 16-year-old hearing these words, 
a very planned out 16-year-old who knew what I wanted to do with my life, I was suddenly like, what, but what does this mean? I mean, going on a different path? What, how does this relate to my life? And I didn't really know what it meant. And I prayed about it, and I went away from that week, and I thought, you know what, I don't really know what this means, but God will reveal it to me at some point, and I'll know where I'm going, and I'll know what's happening. So I went back to sixth form, carried on studying. Um, it got to around January time, and it was that lull just after Christmas, and I was bored, and I was supposed to be revising for my AS exams, and I thought, what I'd rather do is apply for the Bake Off. So I really did it as a tool of procrastination, where I just thought, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to fill out this really long form, and it'll just be a good use of a day, and if that's all it is, then that's fine. I didn't expect it to go anywhere at all. I wasn't thinking about the prophecy, I wasn't thinking about anything. I just thought, yeah, I'll just send it off. didn't even tell my parents, because I thought that it was so unlikely of going anywhere. Um, And then a couple of days later... I failed my mock exams because I hadn't been revising. I'd been applying for the Bake Off. But luckily, in the same day, I got a phone call from the Bake Off saying, we'd love to interview you. We'd love to do some research, see if you're a suitable kind of candidate. And I was kind of completely taken aback. And even though this was just the very first step in a very long process, which I'm not going to go into, I couldn't believe that I'd been selected. And when I found out I was actually on the show, that was the first time it fell into place. Actually, this is kind of a different path. This This could be what that was. And it kind of just fell into place that... God was with me in that as well. It wasn't just me writing this random application and seeing what happened. God plans. He plans your life. So when you do something that you might feel is insignificant or you apply for a job or you get involved in a new club, God has this perfect plan where you will meet people through that or you will get to talk to people or you will just learn a new skill that will help you in your future. So I kind of ended up on the Bake Off, and I ended up in that iconic tent, which we all love so much. And I was a big Bake Off fan beforehand, so it was kind of a big deal for me. I was very fangirly when I first went in. Paul and Mary were there, Mel and Sue were there. I didn't really know what to do with myself. and I probably embarrassed myself quite a lot as well. Um, and I found myself in this tent, and I looked around, and we'd met all the other bakers the night before the very first episode. And I knew that I was going to be the youngest baker because they'd never had anyone under the age of 19 before. I was only 17. And I thought, I know I'm the youngest one this year and probably ever. But I'm assuming there'll be some other 20s, 30s. I prayed about it. and I was like, the dynamic of the group, I'm sure it will be kind of a big group of us. There'll be a couple of people my age that I can relate to. But when I arrived, I walked into this room and everyone was over 30, which isn't old, but to us as young people, that's quite old. <laughs> so <laughs> I walked in and I thought, these are the kind of people that my parents would be friends with. These aren't people that I would generally go up to and make friends with. And I didn't really know what to do with myself. And I kind of went back to my hotel room. And we all had to stay on our own, which again was quite weird for me as a 17-year-old. I kind of thought, this is a bit nerve-wracking now. I mean, I'd imagined this experience as being full of other young people and quite enjoyable, and it suddenly had become this thing where I was like, what am I going to talk to all these adults about for however many weeks I'm here? We have to spend all day together, and I don't know what I'm going to talk to them about. And then I later found out as well I was the only Christian baker. So I was the only Christian, I was only 17, and everyone else was quite a lot older than me, and I was looking around, everyone has so much experience, and I'm so young, and I'm the only Christian, I don't know what... What has God placed me here for? What is the reason? Um, But when I got to know the other bakers on my series, they had never come into contact before with a young person who loves Jesus. So it was amazing to be that person that kind of showed them that their faith wasn't just something that their parents had or their grandparents had, but actually it's real to me. And they were kind of surprised and also curious. They asked me a lot of questions about it, kind of off camera, just chatting. And we still have this relationship where they ask me questions like, oh, so what does Jesus mean to you? Or that kind of thing. And I find that really cool and really exciting that God can use any situation that you're in to help minister his gospel. 
Um, and one verse that definitely really stood out to me whilst I was doing this show, just because I was the youngest one, and you've probably all heard it a million times before, being young people, is Timothy 4.12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to all the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I really felt kind of con- like convicted to be that person because I was the only one, not just with the 12 bakers, but there's about 70 crew members who were all asking you how you are, how you're feeling, and probing quite deep into your life and showing that I was a Christian there. They don't put anything faith-based on TV because they're not allowed to, but you can still kind of chat about it. So I would tell people off camera that I'd been at a festival. Me and my best friend decided that we were going to volunteer at a festival called Big Church Day Out. Anyone been to Big Church Day Out? It's an excellent Christian music festival that's really chill, really relaxing. Um, But we were volunteering there, and I decided to do that before I applied for Bake Off. And I thought, oh, it's fine. It happens at week seven in the Bake Off, and there's no way that I would still be in then, even if I get on. So I thought, no way. We'll go for it. We'll be fine. We'll go along. And it got to week seven, and I got through, and I thought, oh, dear. I'm still meant to be volunteering two days of this week, and I've only got four days to practice. I'm supposed to be giving this to volunteering at a festival. But I thought, I've let my friend know that I'm going to do this, so we're going to do it. So we went, and I prayed on the way there. I was like, God, I'm so overwhelmed, and I'm so tired, and this process is really overwhelming me as a young person, and I need to know what, what is what you're going to do with this. Like, this isn't just for me. This isn't just about me loving baking and baking being on telly. There's got to be a bigger purpose. So I went along to Big Church Day Out. We volunteered. It relaxed me a little bit, but in the back of my mind, I was always niggling that I needed to practice my Claire's for the next week. <laughs> um, but we, um, we sat down in one of our breaks opposite a tear front tent, and I'd kind of prayed, what can I do with baking, God? What is this about? And this guy called Tom Herbert, who was one of the fabulous Baker Brothers on Channel 4, he came out out of the blue, wasn't on the program, and started doing a little talk about how he'd been to Laos and taught, used baking to teach young people new skills that they're less vulnerable to trafficking. And I sat there like, whoa, this is something I really care about. Because I'd come to New Day a couple of years before. Steph Liston had done a preach where he'd said, stand up and shout something that God puts on your heart by the strength that Jesus gives, I am going to. And for some reason, as a 14-year-old, human trafficking wasn't really talked about that much at that time, but I thought that's something I really care about, something I'm really passionate about. So I got up and I shouted out in the big top, I'm going to, by the strength that Jesus gives, I'm going to stop human trafficking. Um, And then I went home and thought, I don't really know how I'm going to do that, but we'll see one day. Um, And then I heard Tom Herbert get up and literally say to me, I use baking to help prevent trafficking. And I sat there like... God is so good at answers prayers because there's no way this coincidence could happen on our one break, on his one talk, that I would happen to be in the right place at the right time to hear him say that. And then since the show, I've been able to get really involved with Tear Fund's work. I've been abroad um, to Cambodia and helped teach young girls human trafficking. I did a seminar about that last year, if anyone was there, talking about what I made and how that makes a difference to them. And now I kind of tour around with another guy called Will Torrent, and we talk about cakes, bakes, and faith and help raise money to bring people out of trafficking through the local church. Um, and that's just one of the amazing ways God's worked through the show. Um, another kind of area that people often ask me about the show is what is it like suddenly, overnight, to go from no one knowing who you are to lots of people knowing who you are? And it is really, really bizarre. Suddenly to go from just being able to chill in your garden and then go out down the road for a cup of coffee and no one notice you. Then the next day, overnight, suddenly flips and suddenly people are like, oh, I really liked your Victoria sandwiches. I really liked the way that you were mixing that technical challenge. And it's weird. It's like, how do you know this stuff? <laughs> how do you know about me? And they know about your life. They know about your family. They know... It's very odd. It's a very bizarre experience. 
Um, and I, some of it's lovely. When people come up to you and they say lovely things, and it's like, oh, thanks very much. I'm glad you think that about me, whatever. But another side that was really tough for me was the social media side of Bake Off. Because when you put yourself out there into the public eye, and you kind of don't really mean to through Bake Off, because you're just like, oh, I want to bake for Paul and Mary, and then suddenly you have your baking for the whole country, and it's a bit different. But you get this joy and you get struggles because everything that you say is so hyper-analyzed now on Twitter and on social media. So every single episode that we would do, literally every single minute, every single glance, every single word you say, somebody will comment on somewhere. And that's difficult. And not everything that people say is going to be nice because when you put yourself out there, not everyone's going to love you and you can't expect them to. But as a young person who was very kind of submerged in social media... The older contestants kind of were like, oh, I should probably get a Twitter account if we're going on the bake-off. I already had a Twitter account. I already had Instagram. I already loved connecting with my friends in that way. And I kind of followed other people that I liked and stuff. And suddenly to become one of those people that people were beginning to follow and inquire about my life and leave this kind of string of comments. So some weeks, people would kind of tear me apart for a look that I gave someone. When the show is edited, and I might not have even given them that look, or they'd kind of... There will be thousands of tweets, and I know you shouldn't really look, but when you have that temptation where you can literally type in, like, Martha Bake Off, and then any adjective, and thousands of tweets will come up, it can be quite crushing. So sometimes I would just read hundreds and hundreds of tweets about how people hate me. People hate Martha. I hate her hair. I hate the way she talks. She's so posh. She's so this. She's so that. People that don't know me. And the other bakers got it to the same extent as well. Um, there was some controversy in my series with a baked Alaska, and there was lots of, lots of like, social media was flying around, and it was a really tough time for all of us. And amongst that, some of the other bakers were feeling, they're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in this program anymore because I'm struggling under the weight of the criticism so much. Because even when you get 100 positives and three negatives, the only ones you remember are the negatives, because that's just the way that we are as people. Um, and if my identity at that time hadn't been in Jesus and rooted in who I know he thinks I am, I would be in such a mess right now. I don't think I'd be stood here. Because it is incredibly depressing to read that kind of stuff about you. But I know that Jesus says I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and he has made me exactly how he wants me to be. And he doesn't care if my hair isn't looking quite good on one day or if I haven't done, made enough effort with my makeup. It doesn't matter. Like He loves me for who I am. And there is no need to take any notice of what anyone else is saying on social media. So if the same thing happens with bullying or bullying online or people commenting on your Instagram in a not very nice way, like that is all irrelevant because the only person that you need to care about their opinion is Jesus. The only person that you need to care about their opinion of you is what God thinks about you. And when he looks at you, if you're a Christian, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see anything else. He doesn't see any of the mess that we get caught up in. He just sees Jesus, and I think that's an amazing, amazing blessing. So since the show, I have had so many exciting opportunities. And I put myself out there as being a Christian quite early on, because I thought, I'm not going to hide this. Now, people are asking about my life. They're asking about who I am, what I do. I'm not going to hide that. So I told people that I went to church. I told people that I went to New Day. I told people that I love... Well, I didn't probably stand there and say, I love Jesus because I was a bit nervous and a bit scared because I'm a human. But <laughs> I kind of went, yes, I'm a Christian. I love to work with Christian charities. So I actually had an amazingly positive response to that because I was a bit worried that if I said that, people would get this massive backlash. But I trusted in God that that was the right thing to do. And I've had some amazing opportunities since then. I did an amazing event with the Archbishop of Canterbury where he stood here and I stood here and I taught him how to bake a sticky toffee pudding in front of 500 young people. 
And it was hilarious. And he is like the head of the, of the Church of England. And I was there, little old me, chatting to him, asking him about his faith and how he became a Christian. It was a very weird event, but he's an amazing guy, actually, really down-to-earth, really smart. He told me to call him Justin. I felt quite honoured. <laughs> um, so I've just been trying to find different ways to share my faith. And it's been a bit weird to suddenly be submerged in, I guess, the kind of famous lifestyle. Because I didn't really plan to, to, to be here. I didn't plan to be standing here in front of you. But I'm just going to share three things that I've learned of what it's like to have that kind of attention in the media. And um, to go from just a little ordinary sick form student to people kind of stopping you in the street or like moving to sit next to you on the train, which is always a bit of a strange one. When the show was on, people would genuinely move off their seats in the train to sit next to me and do like a live Q&A where they'd ask me questions. Then every stop, more people would get on and go, oh, they're all talking about the bake-off and they'd join our little group. So I'd be sat there with like a whole six-seater of people who were really interested, chatting. I'd just be like, I just wanted a journey alone. I wanted to eat my breakfast. <laughs> um, so the first thing that I would say to you about a lot of media is that it just isn't real. And I kind of wish, I, I know I work in the food industry now, and I do a lot of videos, and I do a lot of things like that, videos or photo shoots, and so much of it just isn't real. As in, not that it's fabricated or fake, but as in, like, it just isn't who I am. It isn't representative of me as a person a lot of the time. So things are manipulated or reshaped to make everything seem like the very best version of me. I might turn up at a shoot and be really grumpy or really tired because it's early and I'm not a morning person. So I turn up and they're like, oh, and it's not, I do these shoots for waitress and it's not my kitchen. Someone does my makeup. So someone spends an hour doing my makeup for me to cook in a kitchen that isn't mine, which is a bit weird. And they always just make you appear the very best version of yourself, which is what media does. And obviously they're not going to put out loads of photos of people looking horrible. But I just kind of thought that I'd show you a few little photos. I'm not sure if these ones are going to work. Have we got these ones? Oh, these are the ones from earlier. So, <laughs> sorry, this is a headline that doesn't match up with the photo from the beginning. <laughs> so this came out of my local paper, The Villager. Apology for naked photo. And then there's a picture of me smiling. So this is what I was about to talk about. So this is um, me on the front of the Woketer's Weekend paper, which I write for weekly, just after the book came out. So this is me kind of looking fairly glamorous, holding a bowl, throwing some flour. And then this is the reality. This is how they took the photo. It's just me <laughs> in a pool of flour in someone's living room. So you look at that photo, you think, wow, she's really cool. I'm not cool at all. I'm standing there throwing flour around, hitting somebody's, look, hitting somebody's uh, mantelpiece. <laughs> it's, very, it's a weird atmosphere. And then this other one is a shoot that I did without cakes. This is me on a bike, standing there in a dress and heels, which nobody should ride a bike in because it's not very easy. I can't even ride a bike, which is the, the weirdest thing about this photo. <laughs> My boyfriend is a cyclist, and he thought it was hilarious that I was like, well-known now for being a cyclist on a bike. This is the reality. This is me in someone's garden on a, on a stationary bike. So it looks like I'm in a country park at the moment. But in the next photo, that's just me in someone's garden on a bike that I can't ride with a flat tire. So it's all a bit weird, and they're just the way that they can manipulate it for something as simple as food, which can't really be changed that much. It just makes me wonder how much more does things like modeling manipulate the way you view people, and how much more does industries like music, can they change people? And I found that quite difficult, because I want to be real. I want to be a real person. I want people to, if they like me or are inspired by me, I want, to, I want it to be the real me that they're seeing and not some a fake person. So I try and be as honest as I can. Um, the second thing that I've learned 
is that it's quite difficult in the media or in the food industry when you're so prevalent on social media. It's a very self-obsessed environment. And growing up as a Christian, I've always known that kind of my job is to live for Jesus and to represent him in this world. And it, that is a difficult thing when everyone else expects your world to revolve around you. Because my job now, essentially, I haven't gone to university, is to make my profile bigger so I can get more jobs, whatever. And that's the way it works. That's the way industries work. And that's a difficult thing for me to do. And I've just found that living for Jesus, walking humbly and being famous is a difficult thing to do. One of my favorite Bible verses is Micah 6, 8, which is seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And that is something I always have to remember, that we are called as Christians to walk humbly with our God. And whether we be on TV or just at school with our friends or in your workplace or wherever you are, to walk humbly is so important because that's what people see. And that's what I am trying to do. And it's a constant battle to, that I struggle with. And I'm not standing here saying that I never do that because it takes a real effort to put Jesus at the center of your world when everything around me is telling me that I'm the center of my world. So it's kind of, I have to take myself out of my own body sometimes and think, right, who am I actually? Who am I actually living for? Who am I on this earth for? And what is my purpose? I could die at the end of my life and be the most well-known baker in the world, but not speak out for my faith and not do what Jesus called me here to do, which is to live for him and to tell people about him and to share his grace and his goodness. And if I did that, I would be such a hypocrite and I would hate to think that I took that opportunity to speak to people to be in the media to be where I currently am through God's grace and through God's blessing on me and if I just use that for myself I'd just be so pointless because we know this is this life isn't all we have this life is just a tiny little glimpse of something far better that God has got for us and then the third thing that I would say is that social media is both a blessing and a curse I love social media a lot of the time. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I love it because it means I can kind of, at Easter and Christmas, me and other Christian bakers, we often will post things. Oh, it's Easter. The reason I celebrate Easter is because of this or whatever. And it's also, it's good fun. It's good to connect with your friends. It's fun to tell people what you're doing. And it's not wrong to show people the life that you lead. But it's just kind of, you have to be really careful because a lot of social media really glorifies everything you do because no one gets up in the morning and looks horrible and thinks, you know what, I'm going to share this with all my friends so they know what I look like in the morning. Just because that's not kind of the way it works. People only ever post themselves looking their very best. And I feel like for some people, there is so much pressure to feel like you're your best all the time. Because when you go on your social media, everyone else looks amazing or everyone else is making amazing food. That's what I see. Because when you go onto your own, your own Instagram, for example, you follow loads of people that you like. So I follow lots of people that I like because of their baking. I follow lots of people that my friends. I follow people that I really associate with deeply. So whenever I go onto my Instagram, I scroll up and down my feed and I just see pictures of really amazing food. And I think, oh, my food isn't good enough. I don't make enough things. I don't blog enough. I don't post enough. I don't do this. Because it's so self-consumed and you just see things that you've kind of signed up for, essentially. But it's quite difficult to forget that, to forget that you're just looking at what you've liked or what you've followed. And I think it's so important that we don't find our identity or our self-worth or our value in what our friends or what social media, what random likes say we are. I find myself sometimes sat there waiting for the likes and calculating the amount of likes I should get per minute 
to equal the last post. And that's just ridiculous. And I have to take a step back and go, what are you doing? Like, why are you wasting your life like, calculating how many likes you should get on this post? It's so stupid. And I just have to think that because God sees us so much more, it doesn't matter how many likes we get on an Instagram post. It doesn't matter how many followers we've got on Twitter. All that matters is that we have Jesus at the center of our life. And I really feel like there are some people here who do place too much of their self-worth on what people think of them, either online or in real life. And it is just so important to know that God loves you as you. He doesn't love you as Instagram you or as Twitter you or as Snapchat you. He loves you as you, as you are. So that's kind of the three things that I've seen most, I've learned from being in this kind of media area. And it's a bit scary, but it is, again, an area that really needs Christians in it to bring the light out of the darkness, to bring the truth and to bring the hope that Jesus offers. So there are some ways that I try and navigate the environment, and I think they're helpful to lots of people. The four things that I do, I try and seek wisdom from people, from Christian friends, from youth leaders. What do they think about what I'm doing at the moment? How do they see me? Um, I try and take time to switch off. Because sometimes it's really important just to kind of sit down with your real family and your real friends who know you and have a proper kind of sit down, have a proper chat and really kind of switch off from all of the stuff that goes on in the background and really refresh your spirit. Um, I've been trying to do the Bible in one year because reading your Bible is a really important thing to do to get that kind of grounding of what God says about everything really. Um, I've been trying to do the Bible in one year. I can't say that I do it every day because that would be a lie. I try my best to remember to do it. And then when I do read it, I have this amazing app. It really benefits me. And I kind of read bits of the Bible. I go, I've already read that. I know about that. I hear people preaching and I go, I read that once. And it's really nice. You feel really connected. And then number four, I try not to work on a Sunday. I don't always, again, I don't always succeed at this because sometimes I'm really busy, but I try and go to church and I try not to work on a Sunday because that is a day which is dedicated to God. Um, and God has worked in just some amazing, amazing ways and been so faithful to me. Right from that initial kind of prophetic word that was spoken over me about not following the crowd. I didn't know what that meant at the time. But now I can see that my friends have all gone to university and I haven't. I'm still at home. I'm not planning on going to university anytime soon. I'm just trying to see where this is going to take me. I've done so many incredible things through his kind of provision. I've been blessed with work with Tear Fund, being able to share my faith and raise money for charity. I've done some amazing events. I've been able to stand here and speak to you all. Um, and that's because I trust God with my future. I know that he's started his work in me and he starts his work in us. And what he promises, he will always, always finish. He will always satisfy. And I've done more than I ever thought was possible. So I think we're going to have a Q&A time now. Um, and then a few, maybe a few ministry points at the end. For a round of applause. Okay, we've still got a bit of time, which is great. So Martha was keen, in I fact. Was, I was quick. I stuck to, to my uh, 20 yes. minutes. I really want questions. <laughs> uh, so does anyone have any questions for Martha? Raise your hands high in the air like you just don't care. Oh, one right here. Brilliant. I don't have to run far. When was the first time you, you knew you were a Christian? So the first time I knew I was a Christian, I became a Christian when I was about eight. I was at a, like a local church event with my friend. And I've been lucky to grow up with Christian parents. And my dad's quite involved in our church, um, Ascot Life Church. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Um, and I kind of, I stood there and I gave my life to God. And I said, actually, this is me making the choice that I want to live for Jesus. And then since then, I got baptized when I was 13. Just kind of made that public declaration that 
this is who I am, this is who I want to be forever and ever. Um, and yeah, it's just gone from there. Great question. Okay, anyone else? Oh, right at the back. Can you shout really loud? God, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever faltered in your faith? Yes? Yeah? So have I ever faltered in my faith? Struggled? Have you ever found? Things? Yeah, I've str I've struggled a lot. I think um, when I was on the show, in the midst of it, I was so tired and I was so kind of I couldn't really see where God was in it. I was like, how how is this to do with you? How does this relate to everything in the future? Um, but I'm quite blessed, really. I've never had any moments where I've really felt that God isn't with me. Um, but because I keep bringing everything back to him. If everything, every, even if it's the smallest good thing or the smallest bad thing, if you relate that to God, thank you for letting me do well on that test. Like, I'm sorry for this. If you just keep coming back to God with everything that you do, I find that it's so easy to keep him at the center of your life. That's how I kind of navigate that area. Anyone else? Any questions? Yes, I can reach you. Uh, I'm not exactly a social media user. Would you advise like not using social media if you've never used it before? Ooh, good question. Would I advise not using social media? I think it, it depends on the person. I mean, some people love it. If you're a like, very outgoing people person, it's a really fun way to share with your friends. And I wouldn't condemn it. I would just say be careful of it and be aware of it. That's probably what I'd go for. So I think it's up to you if you feel like that's something you love to do with your friends or you love to share. And I do love social media. I don't hate it. I just think there are some dangers in it that we need to be really careful of. I, in fact, tweeted about Martha as she was speaking. So uh, you Did know, there is some good about social media. <laughs> yes. Um, when did you start baking? I started baking when I was eight. Um, I just kind of had a go in the kitchen. My parents let me get in there, get my hands dirty, and I made a few little rock cakes, a few other little delicacies. They tried them all. <laughs> um, and then it just went from there. Really, I cook as well as bake, but baking is kind of more what I'm known for now. What an amazing... So you became a Christian at eight and a baker at eight. It was a good year. A destiny. A good year in the life destiny. of Destiny. <laughs> it all comes together. Yes, I see a hand. I'm coming. Sorry if I kick anyone in the head. Did you get any opportunity to talk to the, the other contestants about your faith? Yes. Yeah, I did, actually. It's been quite cool because when, when we went on the show, as soon as it came out, we became quite a close-knit group because we're the only ones that have experienced what we've experienced. And you almost feel a bit untouchable. And it got to a point where people would recognize us so often that to go anywhere like a church as a non-Christian would be a really difficult thing. And that's when I felt God kind of speak to me, like, these people that I've been on the bake-off with, for them, for, say, Richard Burr, if anyone knows who he is, he's a lovely guy, for him to walk into a church, everyone would be like, it's Richard Burr, oh my word, it's Richard from the bake-off, it's so exciting. And it just kind of is like, I don't want that kind of hype around me. And I know that Kate did that as well, she was from my series, she'd been to a church, and it had been a bit overwhelming because everyone loves bake-off and we can't really, we can't really contain ourselves because we love baking at the churches. Um, so I kind of saw this opportunity as me being a Christian in the monkst this. So I'm going to see them this weekend, actually. I'm leaving you a little bit early to go and spend some time with my baker, baker friends at Diana's. And it's just amazing to chat to them about, I've been at New Day this week and I've been talking to young people about my faith. Or I've spoken to them about Christmas parties, prayed for opportunities to really share 
what I feel is like a true faith. Because some of them had Christian parents or Christian grandparents, or they say they are ex-religious people. And I was like, no, like they've got basic knowledge and they just need to, to know more about the real Jesus. So I try my best, but no one is here like, oh, I tell all my friends about Jesus all the time. But if there is an opportunity, then I wouldn't shy away from it. Right. Okay, any more questions? Raise your hand high. There's you two right at the back. You're going to have to shout really, really loud. One of you choose and shout really loud. Great question. So how, how, how can you deal with the hate in social media? I think that was one of the most tough things for me with the whole process is the hate because you just don't, you just don't expect it. We, didn't, we were prepared a little bit for it, but you just think, oh, we're just baking a cake in a tent. No one can hate that much, really, can they? But they really can. They can hate everything about your shoes to your hair to anything about you. And I think dealing with that as a Christian was just so much easier because I just had to switch it off to not read the comments on certain websites and to not search for my own name and not to read things that tell me about a person that isn't really me. It's just people's... like persona of me is the little me that other people have created in their own minds and it isn't the actual me they don't know everything about me they just knew a little tiny bit so I think just taking a step back getting my identity from people who really know me so like my family and my friends and making sure that they tell me who I am and I think that's true of all of us the people that know you best or the people that you associate with at church you really know you and they know your good things they know your bad things they know what you struggle with they know what you enjoy they are the most important people to spend time with and then obviously getting your identity from Jesus and really getting deep into the Bible and the truth of what it says about you is so important I remember being um, really angry when the baked Alaska stuff happened. I can remember that. Like, <laughs> it's rage that he, he put it in the bin and then took the bin. Oh, that was amazing. Um, <laughs> in the orange t shirt, towards about you, you, that's it. Yeah, kind of orangey. Sorry, say that Who again. Was that who taught me how to bake? Um, so my parents don't actually bake. They don't really like baking. They cook, but they're not really big bakers. So I kind of felt a bit cheated as an eight-year-old. I thought, this isn't fair. All my friends have got home-baked cakes, and I don't. So I'm going to make them. I'm going to start making the cakes. And my parents thought it was a phase, but it's continued quite a long time. So I'd say it's not really a phase anymore. It's been, it's been 11 years. <laughs> I'd say Jesus taught you because you became a Christian and started baking. That. So, you know, and basically. also, Martha in the Bible is, is a cook. Yes, it's, there you go. It's all been, no, I'm Powerful. joking, I'm joking. Yes. There's that's been... Any hate about being a Christian? That any one? hate about being a Christian? I mean, there's been a few little negative points. If I'll post something, if something really bad happens to the world and I post that I'm praying about it, people are like, prayer doesn't work or this isn't true. And often I won't enter into it because I know that people are just looking for a fight on social media. So I put out what I am. And I say what I think, but I don't often engage in debates because that's not really what I'm good at. And if they want to find out more, then it's just planting that seed that actually there is a Christian who is young in the media, I think is important just to show that Christians aren't all old people or what people imagine boring people. It's like, oh, I'm a real life person, a real life teenager who loves Jesus. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, yeah. Were you ever embarrassed that you were the only Christian in the Bake Off? I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was embarrassed, but I found it tricky, I think, because 
I was in that environment, and when you go onto the Bake Off, into the, in, on, in, in the days, in the morning, they take away your like, mobile phone because they don't want you to communicate with anyone. And as a 17-year-old, a that was quite a big deal. I mean, a whole day, a whole weekend without a phone is quite, quite scary with lots of people I don't know. So um, they take away everything that is familiar to you. And then people were a bit kind of, they were curious. They were like, oh, so why did you go to a Christian festival? Like, surely that isn't real. I don't know. It was, I wasn't embarrassed of it. And I was actually really grateful of my faith in those moments because everything else was different. And that was the only constant thing that went from me being at home to me being at school to me being on the show. And that was the constant thing that kept me going, really. So I wasn't embarrassed of it, but I will admit that it was difficult. All right. Well done. Okay. Uh, in the purple top in the middle. I got to the quarterfinals, so week eight, which I didn't really game. expect to get to. I was very, I was very happy. Can I have it over here in the red stripe top? Was there any pressure from your church or your family, other than Abby, about going into the bake-off and kind of what that did? Um, they kind of like reveled in it, really, and I think I've been contacted by most churches. <laughs> Send me emails, will you come and speak to our youth group? Will you come do this? So I think churches have really jumped onto it, which is great. Oh, I'm afraid I can't go to all of them. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think church has been a brilliant thing, actually, and I've been doing this um, activity with Tear Fund where me and another kind of Christian chef called Will Torrent. I've been going around different churches talking about cakes, bakes and faith, which has got lots of non-Christians into churches. And then they can find out more about what churches do, how churches fit communities, because baking is one of those uniting things. I'd never really thought about it before I went onto the show and since, but every church does baking and we don't really know why, but it's just a really amazing hospitality thing. And when a church does hospitality well, people love it. People love eating together they love sharing food and that's a really good way of sharing the free gifts that Jesus give us by giving out cakes and bake sales and all that kind of thing so I just think baking is one of those amazing bring togetherers is that a word that brings us all together I'm, I'm blown up there's so many questions for you Martha I feel Yay. like we could be here all day I'm gonna give us a couple more minutes of questions though I see the guy right at the back with a blue blue jumper on me hand up not right at the back kind of like by the sound desk yeah that's the one shout it nice and loud The thing I most enjoy, baking. I think you can't really get better than a really good chocolate cake. It's like a really moist and sticky, towering. That is the best kind of cake, in my opinion. Well, you can feel the excitement in the and room. It gets, it gets a murmur going, yeah, so I can tell ah, it's good. Chocolate, we're in. <laughs> um, you in the black and white stripy top. What advice would you give to people who feel God's put baking on their heart? I think that there are loads of amazing ways that you can use baking within the church. Um, I've been using baking to not only work with Tear Fun, I did like a 21-hour bakathon where I baked nonstop for 21 hours to raise money for them. I think just kind of get involved where you can. Food is an amazing kind of bridge between non-Christians and church because everyone loves a bit of free food, as we all see. So I think that baking is a really special and important thing. And buy Martha's book, and then you'll be a really good baker as well. So <laughs> yeah. <just laughs> plug for you there, Martha. See what I did? Yeah. So how much changed from what you really did in the tent to then what came on the telly? Yeah, the editing is one of the weirdest things about the whole process because we spend two, about 14 to 16-hour days making one episode. So we will bake... Uh, the, two, the three challenges, but we'll do it over two days and we'll spend ages and ages doing countless interviews to camera and chatting away and 
baking and talking to each other, and they film everything. And then they condense all of that filming down into one hour. So it's like, hang on a moment, like, whoa. So I'll sometimes tell my friends, family, I was like, in week one, I was like, oh, it was such a nightmare. I made my caramel three times. My cakes didn't rise, so I made them twice. And I did such a rubbish job. And then we watched episode one, and they just, didn't, they just don't have time to show what 12 people are doing all the time. So they just cut out all of my bad bits. So it just looked like I did everything perfectly. And I was like... Well, well, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I forget I said about that. I didn't, didn't make caramel three times. I didn't make my cakes twice, and this was all good. Um, it is a bit weird, and it's a bit scary. And before each episode, we don't get to see them in advance. So we'd kind of sit there, and it would be a weird, apprehensive feeling because they judge every bake for about 15 minutes. They really go into detail, but they'll only include about one minute of it. So you have to just really hope that they pick your good ones. You can never really predict. But it was so, yeah, it was a bit... It's often it's true. They try and make the stories true, but they are condensed and they are exaggerated. So you have to kind of take everything with a pinch of salt. Great, great. Uh, let's go in the kind of greeny top. Yes, I love how people look at their... Oh, yes, I'm green. Any tips for telling people about Jesus? I mean, I think for me, I'm quite an action-based person. So for me, working with a Christian charity or getting involved with Christian initiatives has been the easiest way in for me, just so people go, oh, so what are you doing this week? Oh, I'm doing something with Tear Fund. It's a Christian charity, and that's because I'm a Christian. And that's what I find really easy. If I show, if I act in a way which people see as being godly, or I hope is seen as being godly, or work with charities, or work with things, do things which are indirectly Christian, I think that's the easiest way to get into it if you're not the kind of person that likes going up to people and literally declaring they're a Christian. I find that the easiest. And when I was at school, I used to be help with the CU. I used to go along. Even if sometimes it was a bit weird, it just was another opportunity for me to say, you know what, I'm going to the CU because I'm a Christian. Right. Okay, last question over here. What's next what's for you, next Martha? For what a great last question. Yes. Well done. Um, so I don't really know what's next for me, which is a bit weird, because when I was younger, I always planned myself. I said, I'm going to go to university, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And now God has kind of picked all that up and gone, nope, we're not doing any of that, we're going to do something different. So I'm not entirely sure what's next. I just pray about the next opportunity that comes in. I've got a lot of book promotion-y stuff going on at the moment, and then there might potentially be another book. There's also kind of some chats going on about maybe some kind of Christian Eastery food documentary kind of thing. So if anyone wants to pray about that becoming reality, it could be an amazing tool of getting food and Jesus together on the TV again. Brilliant. Can we give Martha a big round of applause? Yeah, so I just kind of had three... When I was praying about this seminar, I really felt there were kind of three groups of people that if you feel this is you or you feel this links to you, please come forward and get prayer from either a youth leader or someone in a yellow top or an orange top. I can't even see. Because um, I think it's really important. So the first group, it's probably not going to be very many people, but I just thought when I sat here and listened to Cassie, I kind of thought, oh, I really hope that could be me one day, like talking to people or being involved in something bigger or being involved in the media. So if you feel like you're maybe called to a life in the media or as a public figure, or it's quite a weird thing to admit to, but just maybe a TV presenter or an actor or a YouTuber or anything like that, and you want prayer about how to use that for God, then please come and talk to someone at the end. The other two groups are a little bit more kind of personal. Um, so if you feel like that you maybe idolize social media or the person you are on social media is different or you feel it's different to who you are, if you have maybe a social media addiction, it would be great to pray over that and pray 
turning it around to use for something good and getting that kind of identity back from God and seeing who you really are. And the other group is if you don't feel like the real you is good enough for God, if you feel like you have to put up a face or put up a, a wall or a different person in front of other people or in front of God, then please just know that you are deeply loved by God and he doesn't care who you are or what you've done. He just loves you for you. He loves you for who you are because that's who he made you to be. So if that's you as well, then please come forward. Fantastic. So in a moment, we're going to do that. But what I'd love us to do first is I'd love us to pray for Martha. Um, I think that having a young person that loves Jesus and has been held up before our nation is so exciting. Someone who can be a role model that Christianity isn't just for old people. It isn't just for grumpy people. It isn't just for Ned Flanders. It is for normal people like Martha, and she's doing exceptionally well. We're so proud of you, Martha. We're really excited about what God's going to do. So can I ask us to stand to our feet? And uh, here's what I'm going to say, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I get to three, I want us all to pray where we are as loud as we can. You don't have to shout, but pray out loud for Martha. A prayer for, for a couple of things. Firstly, pray for Martha that God would give her wisdom about what's coming next. Pray for Martha that God would protect her because she is in a very vulnerable place, as she shared, in terms of lots of people looking in on her. And pray for Martha that God would open doors for her, okay? So wisdom, protection, and open doors for the next things. Are we ready? One, two, three, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Jesus, we thank you so much for Martha. We thank you for the gift she is to the church. We thank you, Lord God, for the opportunities you've led her into. And Lord God, we pray that you would give her wisdom about the next steps, Lord God. What are the right things to do next? We pray you would protect her, Lord God. We pray, Jesus, that you would keep her rooted in you, Lord God. We pray that you would keep her humble, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you'd open many more doors for her to influence many and to point many to Jesus, we pray. In your name, amen. Amen. Brilliant. Yeah, let's give Martha one more round of applause. Okay, so we are going to bring our uh, time together to an end. If you would like prayer for either you're feeling a call into the media, you are feeling like um, you are kind of social media has become a big deal and you want prayer for that, or um, you are feeling like you just want to know God's love. Yeah, in a second, I'm just talking about Jesus first, okay? Or you feel like you want to get prayer for just knowing that God loves you. Come and get prayer. We're going to have some orange t-shirts over by the door over there and down over here as well. You can come and get prayer. If on your ticket you have an orange circle, you have won an ice cream today. Come over here to Abby and Ben. Give us a wave, Okay. And if you have a square on your ticket, an orange square, you have won the bonus round, which is winning Martha's book, Twisted, yeah, and some Cornettos as well. So if you've got the, the square on your ticket, come and get it. If you've got a circle, go over there. If you want prayer, come get prayer. Otherwise, we love you and we'll see you tomorrow.